All right, cool. So the Badleys, uh, uh, I've never heard of them. Are they a bigger band? Um, they're from Ceilings Grove, and uh, they used to be, I forget the name of the label, but it was a subsidiary of Arista. And, you know, I, I used to go see them in clubs before they were signed. And, mm. and that, that, was a, that was a hell of a lot of fun just because their music was great. They were a high-energy band, and it was, you know, great to be in a room with a lot of people grooving on music. Um, and I did, I saw them, I think I saw them open for uh, uh, the Almond Brothers up at uh, Montage in oh, Scranton, wow. Wilkesbury. And that was, that was the first, that was the first time I think I saw them after I graduated from law school. And, you know, uh, but yeah, they were, uh, I, they, they had a couple hits that uh, charted very well on Billboard. Uh, Angeline is Coming Home, Fear Falling. So I, I mean, I, I love playing both those songs with Brett. Oh, wow. That's awesome. In fact, I want I want to start doing Fear of Falling. You may see me doing that out, out at some point. <laughs> cool, man. So uh you you mentioned networking a lot. Mm. Uh or at least the, in before the show. How does one go and network? How does one how did you find success doing it? Got to go out and press the flesh. Got to go out and, you know, shake hands and, you know, meet people and Just talk babies. to people and it's not it's not easy. <laughs> You know, like I used to have uh, when I was living in the Northeast, I'd set aside one evening to try to go out and find gigs and go out and, and, and you know, meet owners and whatnot. So, yeah, really, uh, I mean, networking is sort of critical oh, uh, for the purposes of trying to develop opportunities and develop connections. And it's, at least in Lancaster, it's not that hard because people are so open. It's not mm. that hard to network um, because be, be, there, when I first came out, I, I had the uh, assumption that it, that you just don't walk up to somebody and talk to them. Um, and it, that's not the, really the case at all. It, granted, when they're doing their set, leave them alone. Right. But, but afterwards, you can go up and talk to them, and they're more than happy to, to talk to you and uh, if – they'll they'll direct you to other people and they'll direct you to like an open mic because no, no one's going to sign you off the bat but if you go to an open mic with them they'll see what you're about and 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 that way you can get network to other people and and uh play with other people cuz I've been uh the first night that I came out to Lancaster ever ever to play an open mic was Tell us 360 uh uh with a friend and from from that one night, uh, Cody Bilburn, <laughs> Cody Kilburn, Cody, Cody Bilburn is a fun, is a love name I call him. <laughs> but uh, Cody Kilburn uh, is uh, a wonderful guitarist I've had on previously, and he was out. And there's a piano. There was a piano out there. Uh, whenever the pianos are in season, mm -hmm. uh, and he was like, I was playing along. I was playing a little bit, and he was like, "Oh, can you play this song?" And he, he gives me "Jealous," that song, a song he likes to play. And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, figure it out," because uh, I'm really good at uh, chord sheets. Uh, if you hand me a chord sheet, I'll follow along very easily, as long as it's not too complex. Right. <laughs> um, and from from then on, he invited me to to his band, and that's really where I got. All the spread. I got into Bjorn, uh, mm. Bjorn circle. I got into Nathan Arndt circle that way, uh, and it's 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 incredible how if you just go out there and present yourself, uh, not not even you don't have to do you don't have to jump through hoops to to do it either. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you just go out there and perform, and people people will either walk up to you, or you you can just walk up to other people and say, "Hey, where can I find you or this music or that music?" Right. And it's very very much open. Yeah, and I also like the fact that um, I mean, the open mics are very good and they're very different. Oh, um, yes. But you know, they're I mean, professionals will come out and play. Yeah. and sign up or professionals just come out and hang out oh yeah and uh it's a it's a great way to network with folks who are interested in celebrating music mm-hmm. i can't tell you how many times i've been to the telus open mic and some people from like las vegas acts are in there or yeah. people from the dutch apple came over to perform well l- last uh um not this past thursday but two weeks before that uh, I went to uh, Helena Bucket. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember if I saw you there that week, but 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 there was a gentleman who was traveling on his way to Maine was his next stop, mm-hmm. and he found out about the bucket and he came and played the open mic and he he did his set and you know we met him and a lot of people were talking to him. He's a fascinating fellow, uh, very cordial, and we may see him again or we may never see him again. But it I, was just you know we were we were on his path. And, you know, uh, he said, well, I hope I see all somewhere down the road. And, you know, our response was as he was walking across the street to his car was, well, we'll be here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Hell in a Bucket is, is a, in Wrightsville. It's a really, really cool spot. Um, really. Uh, I like the chili. They have a really good chili. <laughs> I haven't had the chili yet. No, it's, no. it's only six bucks. It's really good. Cool. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's 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 crazy how how some people, yeah, like traveling acts will just come through and and stop by and, and play and you know you might not see ever see him again but you but you can make those connections right yeah and it, it's 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 awesome unfortunately i have my my job uh, i teach children how to swim uh so it's four to eight o'clock at night that's Ooh. why i'm always coming in late to like hell in a bucket to like tell us yeah uh unfortunate but you, you know you gotta have a day Gigs job a gig, right? yeah yeah right um, and it's also hard to get gigs because of that as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I have to know. Yeah, conflict. Yeah. I have to know. Well, I, well, typically the way, the way it's run, um, I, I get paid, I, I do get paid uh, pretty well, but, uh, most of the time a gig is more worth it than, than, uh, a night at, at the job. Right. Uh, so I will go out to a gig over, over the, uh, the job, which is fun, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, so I, that way I don't have to necessarily prioritize either one i can do both and still come out on top right so it, it's nice um and, and working with children as you said is, is a joy and a half yeah it really is uh what are some of your favorite moments from teaching uh, guitar um my favorite moments teaching guitar are running into uh my old students you know, I, a couple of years ago, I was in a bar and one of my old students who was a, an educator, he was a professor at Harvard, oh, wow. comes in and, he, and, and he's like still playing and still creating and still doing it. But he has his other side job. Like most of my students have gone that route that, you know, they still have music in their lives. And, you know, I told them at, at the outset, you know, I'm not a professional musician i do not have a degree in music education i'm going to try to help them on their path i view myself more as a personal music trainer Mm. more more than more than a teacher trying to get them to where they want to go uh faster 
Um, but I told them at the outset, you know, my, my, my real goal is to foment a lifelong love of creating and playing music with others. And when I run into people or like when I see their posts on social media about playing music, those are the moments where that, that make me happy because music is an oral tradition. It's handed down and like people uh, take what they've heard before and present it in a new way. So it's, it, it's familiar to the listener, but yet it's different. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, when you get the, the Goldilocks balance of familiar and different at the same time, that's when you're really on the right track. It's, uh, I can't tell you how many uh, countless times we, we've played like House of the Rising Sun. <laughs> yeah. And every, every time it's played differently, people go nuts still every single time it's played. Uh, for for the most part, it's a, um, yeah, it's a cultural. It's a cultural class. It's a cultural hit, and I've <laughs> I like to perform it almost every single open mic. So maybe it gets a little bit boring for some people who play it constantly. I, I have a but, story about the House of the Rising. Oh, oh I'm, yeah? sorry, go, I'm sorry, did I cut you off? No, no, go for it. Um, when it, my last year in New Orleans, one of my friends uh, rented an apartment in the French Quarter, and he would throw parties because he had a great location and it was nice to have a home base. You know, you could go out in the quarter and you could stay his place and he had you know all the all of the buildings and apartments in the french quarter have balconies because that's where you would dump your sewage because nobody Mm -hmm. had plumbing back in Mm -hmm. when new orleans was founded and you would the the streets were basically full of sewage they'd wash it out like you come out your chamber pot you go dump it on the street um but like we were all hanging out on his balcony and a tour came through in like a, a, a carriage and the tour director, you know, was like, here we find the historic house of the rising sun. This structure used to be a brothel. And, you know, we were all very excited at that, that time. We overheard that everybody's toasting and like, yes, we're in the house of the rising sun. And this was before the internet. I mean, the internet existed, but it was not widely available. Right. You know, like I had Westlaw with my Mac, my Mac classic, you know, or I could do my research, but it, I, I, there, there wasn't any, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of content. And so, you know, now I've gone back and Googled that. Well, that was nonsense. That was not. Oh, it was. Oh, it was. But it was fun at the time. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, that's, that's totally something a tour company would do. Just like you pick this random. House. Oh, and this <laughs> is the a- famous house of the rising sun. Because you rubes don't know any better. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. Oh, my god! It was a good time at the time. Yeah, that's true. There's like an active party. It's like, yeah, how did I sign? And then you just look up later. It's like, actually, no, it's no. baloney. But it was it was down the street from the schoolyard um, where uh, the outdoor scenes of Elvis's first movie, King Creole with Walter Matthau, the black and white film, which is mm. one of Elvis's better movies. I... I'm a fan of Elvis, and you know when uh, the first time a hurricane was projected to hit New Orleans, I came back from class, and I was like, "All right, we got to tape up the windows, we got to do everything." And I, my house mate Pablo De Castro, we went to law school together, and we were we like to we like to run together. He was a, a very good friend and very good company. He said, "No, we're going to Graceland. We're getting out of Dodge. This is dangerous stuff. We're not staying here for the hurricane." So we drove all night to. Uh, to Memphis and uh, to see? yeah, to, oh, yeah, wow. to, to go see Elvis and like we're we're, we're driving past Grace and we had no plan, no didn't know what to do, didn't know what to stay, 
And we, we're driving past Graceland, and there's an Elvis impersonator. It's the middle of the night. It's like 3 in the morning we got there. There's an Elvis impersonator running across the street waving at us. So, like, there's nobody around. So, like, Pablo goes up the street and turns around, pulls a U-turn because we wanted to ask him where we could stay. And he was gone. Oh, wow. But it was a big boulevard. We couldn't imagine. It was like he was a, a ghost that disappeared. I mean, it didn't look like Elvis. It looked like an Elvis impersonator. Right. But, but it was sort of neat. But right across the street from Graceland at that time was the Memory Lane Hotel. And on their marquee, they said 24-hour Elvis movies, and they had a guitar-shaped pool. So we were like, we were sold. We stayed there. And, and I think I've seen every, like, one, one night we got back from, from the bars, and we're watching Elvis movies, and all of a sudden we get static. And I'm pissed. So I call down the desk and I'm like, I thought it says 24 hour Elvis <laughs> movies. And we were watching static here in the middle of the night. And, 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 the, and the guy working the desk is like, well, what do you want to see? I said, well, what do you got? He said, we got every one of them. I said, girls, 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 and put it on repeat until we say when. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so funny. I've, I've only been in the movie theater where something went wrong once. And it was the funniest thing because we were in there to see Aquaman, mm. and um, and it's a Warner Brothers production, and so we go in there expecting to see a bunch of Warner Brothers ads, like trailers, right? But we go in there and we start seeing a bunch of Disney ads, and I'm like, why in the world would Warner Brothers uh precursor their trailer with a bunch of Disney ads? And I'm I'm sitting there like. What is that? What kind of marketing ploy is this? What, uh, what are they doing here? Um, and the, and then the movie starts playing. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. It's, it's gonna be Aquaman. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be great. And uh, it 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 starts playing the the Return of Mary Poppins. Oh boy! And I'm like, what? <laughs> This is not what not I want to see. No, no, this is not. A, well, Grant, I, 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 I like Mary Poppins, and uh, yeah. I, I wanted, I want to see that movie. But it's like I'm here to see action, and, right. and I want to see sharks being flown at other people. Yeah, like, right. you know, what, what, whatever nonsense that Aquaman is. Uh, I, I mean, non nonsense in a in a loving fiction, way. yes, very yes, loving right. way, yeah, yes. over the top, yes, yes. Um, and and the people start. Boo! You know, whatever, and, and I'm, I was like, "How? How did? How did this happen?" Yeah. And so we we saw like the first five minutes of, of the Return of Mary Poppins, and we, we had to wait again for all the other previews to go oh, uh, for, no. Aqu <laughs> for Aquaman, which is like twenty minutes. Of yeah, right. Yeah. So, but we got to see Aquaman in, in the end. We in. I think we got a refund too. So that's cool. Yeah. So all's well that ends well. So we went into the next theater and watched the other movie. <laughs> So yeah, it was a weird, weird event. Um, that's crazy. Uh, are you gonna go see the new Elvis movie? Um, I've, I'll probably wait till it's streaming. I don't get to the theaters that much. I did get mm -hmm. out to see the most recent Doctor Strange movie. I am a movie enthusiast. Yes, you're very much a, a Star Wars fan of it. I do like Star Wars. I like the Star Wars stuff. I've been enjoying the the new Obi Wan series. Has been fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm excited for. Uh, Ahsoka and uh, Mandalorian three. Very much so. Yeah, me Very too. Much so, um, so you talk about uh, your music and your your fanaticism for music. What what are if you could give anybody a top three to listen to, who would who would they be? Top three artists that artists they may not be aware of. That they may not be aware of. Well, I'd say number one is Professor Longhair, Henry Roland Bird. 
um, who's one of the classic New Orleans piano professors. Uh, he's very influential to like Alan Toussaint and, and Dr. John. And his vocals very much remind me of Elvis. Mm. Um, so I'd, I'd definitely say uh, Professor Longhair. Um, that's that's sort of it's sort of hard because I, I have very diverse sort of oh, that's good. tastes. That's good. Um, so uh, can I consult my phone? You can make consult your phone. I will give you space to do. Because so. I want to, I want to, I want to look at. I, I, I just want to look at what I've been playing recently because I know I'm going to forget uh, something. Um, some, some you know, this... one thing I, I, I I've enjoyed uh, uh, psychedelic music. Oh, really? And um, you you know the band XTC? I do not. Um, wonderful band. Uh, they're 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 their most their their most uh, famous album Skylarking was produced by Todd Rundgren, and they're very accomplished musicians. But they played alt music in, in the eighties. But they're also big fans of sixty psychedelia, like Pink Floyd and whatnot, like early Pink Floyd. So they created a fictional band, XTC, and they called themselves Dukes of the Stratosphere, and they dress them in all the psychedelic outfits. And the, and, the, and the album that they put out, Chips from the Chocolate Fireball is an encyclopedia of every sort of psychedelic style. So I would recommend, number one, Professor Longhair. Number two, Dukes of Stratosphere. Um, I must say, uh, the band name XTC for a psychedelic band is pure genius. Well, yeah, you know, for XTC, the album that I'd recommend is one of my most influential, and it's not the one that people are most uh, followed, but Oranges and Lemons is 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 a just a magnificent album and especially a guitar album because at that time um there wasn't a lot of focus on guitar as an instrument it was mostly uh synthesizers in the 80s and it was thrilling to me with it to have a band that you know used synthesizers but also had an incredibly accomplished guitar player mm. um so I'll, I'll come up with my third in a second let me just uh zip through one of the th- people i've been really influenced by is the new star wars composer uh joe what's his name garan johansson yeah yeah um i like his work too I'm, I'm also really impressed with the work of uh um uh natalie holt who did the soundtrack and developed the themes that uh, John Williams wrote for Obi Wan. Obi Wan, yeah. I thought the music for uh, and, and unfortunately it just came out um, uh, yesterday, uh, or no, actually I think it was a week from yesterday. Oh yeah, yeah they, he's which, retiring. Which I would have liked that soundtrack to be issued before the show came out because I think the show would have had more impact if I was familiar with the soundtrack. But oh, you know it is what it is. Oh, did you hear about uh, John Williams retiring? Well, he's he's threatening that he's going to retire after he finishes the Indiana Jones soundtrack, which that is the one he's wor- he's working on, the one that he's working on uh, right now. Okay, yeah, the third out, al- the third artist. I, I this was sort of obvious. I would say you got to check out one of my favorite Brett Alexander project, the Cellar Birds. Cellar Birds. The Cellar Birds. This is you know, some of the guys of the Badleys are in it, but this was Brett's sort of masterstroke, um, and it is an incredibly brilliant album. You could download it from Brett's website. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah. And, and it's funny how, you know, like I, I, I was doing a private gig. Um, somebody, it, the party got rescheduled and somebody called me for a fill in. I was doing a, a private gig here in Mannheim township a cu- couple oh. of weeks ago. And one of the guests, uh, who came up to me afterwards, he spent most of his life as a studio musician in LA. Hmm. And we were, 
sort of talking about music and, you know, our, our, our interests. And, you know, I mentioned I've been working with Brett and he just said, oh, the Celebirds album is, oh, that's one of my favorite albums. And I'm like, yeah, you know, that, that, is, that is one of my favorite albums too. So, oh, wow. you know, I'd, I'd recommend checking out Brett's original work and uh, his work with Gentleman East. I guess Gentleman East was down here. It's, uh, it's uh, Ron Samasic, drummer for the Badleys. Paul Smith, bass player from the Badleys, Brett, uh, guitar, guitar songwriter for the Badleys, and Aaron Fink, who was the original guitar player for Breaking Ben. Um, great band. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you had talked about what it was like to... Uh, oh, here's a question. Um, your, your dad's music shop, was that ever a, a place of... Did you ever get to like explore to use different instruments? What kind of what kind of instruments did you sell? All instruments. Well, or? it was mostly like a, it was like a mom and pop, and it was focused on students and lessons. I gotcha. mean, pros would come in because uh, you know when I was younger, my dad dealt Fender and Gibson, and he was the biggest Fender and Gibson dealers in the area. But it was mostly you know the the, the store was run on the students that would come in and buy stuff, and I spent my Saturdays there, and I'd polish the instruments. Uh, dust i'd take care of customers and i and my job was to go get lunch like my dad would give me money oh. and i'd go around to all the teachers what do you want what do you want and my dad would buy them lunch every saturday i'd go get it um and uh you know so yeah i i pretty much had free reign and as i got older i i i would fly solo there um but you know i enjoyed i mean since i was enthusiastic about the guitars and i knew about them i could sell them because you mm. know I could talk about them and what the difference is between, you know, a single coil pickup and a humbucker pickup and, you know, stylistically, which instruments fit with which kind of music. Not that that's necessarily a rule you should follow, but if you, you're trying to emulate a particular right. style, at least you know what tools have been used to create that. So you, you've had many teachers over your life. I've had many teachers many over teachers. my life. What are some of the key lessons or things that you've learned from them? Yeah, that's that's sort of hard. I mean, I, I you know, I there was this one teacher who was a, a bit of a hermit, and he taught out of his house, and he was uh, chain smoked, filterless Lucky Strikes. He had an ashtray. I mean, it looked like a swimming pool, and it'd be filled with all the butts. I mean, really, they'd be stacked up there, and he'd be lighting off there. Like the room just stank of cigarettes. Um, but he really was deep into philosophy, particularly Gurdjieff. And um, he was, uh, he got me to look at music from uh, a conceptual area, uh, you know, because he, he, his, his big mantra was that there are no uh, uh, bad notes, just bad ideas. That all, we, yeah. we, we work in a 12 note system, it's all about context right. and presentation. And, you know, there isn't a wrong note. It's just how you connect it and how you, how you lead the, 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 the listener to appreciate that. And he developed a series of technical exercises, which developed my right-hand picking technique and, and my speed, which I've, I've relied upon. And while I, in the first half hour of the lesson, he would have you going through these and he would check your posture. And he was really big on, you know, you can't be tense. You can't have your neck tense. You can't, you can't impede the flow. You have to, it has to be natural. It has to be relaxed. And he also taught me a lot about jazz and he was, his, his big thing was improvisation. So, you know, you, you had to improvise a lot and, you, and, and, and it was all about learning standards and improvisation. So, um, it was eye opening 
for me to have a guitar teacher that had his own way. And we, I did not learn out of a book. Mm-hmm. You bought a manuscript book. He wrote the lesson out every week. There was never a public, it was, we never dealt with publication. So I thought he, he, he taught me a lot. Um, just because he, he was such a, uh, he did not like idiom players. He did not like it when I'd play blues licks. He's like, why are you imitating something else? You find your own path. And, uh, and, and there was some conflict with that. I, I'm not a wholesale into it. Cause I do believe in idiom. I do believe yeah. in, in context, but I also, that doesn't mean I totally discount his philosophy either, right. but it, it sort of opened me up to that, that break the rules yeah you gotta you gotta know the rules and then you can break them and that's where the real good stuff comes from true the real original and good stuff comes but it's it's the visionaries when you're when you're when you're plotting a new path that hasn't been mined yeah i mean look at our mutual friend bjorn i mean he's cultivated a style that's very unique and very compelling it's wild yeah is um we're having him on wednesday Next Wednesday. Cool. I'll tune in for that. Yeah. Uh, if you've never heard Bjorn play any of his songs, it is a ride and a half. There are yeah. style changes midway through the song, meter changes all over the place. Some Have you ever listened to his album on Spotify? I didn't know he had an album on Spotify. The Gentry. Look up the T H the and G E N T R Y. He and that's where he gets into a lot of. Uh, uh, electronic music that's where that's what he uh, alleged uh, what i what i remember him saying that's what he wants to get into next um one of my favorite tracks from that is the i think that i love you remix uh i think it's number one on that's on on the track and i i just from hearing all of his past work like uh the wolf or a million bucks or uh mended love or whatever it's just so different than what bjorn regularly does and it's like oh and his voice is incredible too. Yeah, it's uh, one of the things that always captured me was he has like one of the most unique voices I've ever heard. Oh yeah, uh, and and uses it very well w- within his songs. Oh, it's, it's incredible. It's a great effect, yes. It's a great effect. Um, so yeah, definitely check out uh that episode on Wednesday at ten thirty a.m. or you can check it afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> So what are some mistakes that maybe you have made or you've seen your students make and how do you get, how do we combat that? What are some advice you can give to help other people not make those same mistakes again? Well, I would say practicing. It's important to develop a, a, a sort of plan when you practice your craft that you, you know, work on different skills. You're not working on the same stuff all the time, mm-hmm. uh, that you're pushing boundaries. That you, it's sort of a balance of like perfecting what you do and trying to play it better, cleaner, making sure your notes last the full duration, make sure there's no string buzz, and also to sort of expanding your horizon. So, you know, I think the biggest mistake people make is if they have the discipline to practice regularly, their practice becomes they do the same thing right it's and, then it, and, and then it doesn't you know it doesn't it, it, it you may get the, the meditative benefits of sort of going through a task but you're not really uh refining your art or 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 or, or, or pushing the boundaries on it so you know a smart practice and there are a number of teachers on youtube um that i'd uh, eric haugen in particular 
he has an incredible s- strategy about uh, practice. If you Google him on YouTube, it's, uh, it's, it's rather fascinating. Google him on YouTube. Google him on YouTube, yeah. <laughs> I'm showing my age there. No, huh? no, it's, no it's, 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 it's fine. It's, well, because Google it now is, is its own word. It yeah. basically means search. Uh, but that was just, was just interesting to hear. Um, yeah, because practice, yes, you're right. Uh, without any furtherance of your skill, can you really call it practice? Right. Um, so you have to, yeah, you can practice the same old songs to refine them. Um, but that just isn't practice. It's free time at that point. But that's just one element. Yeah, just one element. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, practice, you have to uh, learn. You have to invest in, in uh, different skills, uh, work on skills that you might, might not even like, but you can, yeah. then you can draw on them whenever, uh, whenever the feeling is right. Right. And it's, it's so important to practice different scales all the time, to practice different uh, mode, uh, modes or genres at different times, because you can draw different genres into your own music and make it your own. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, one thing I've been doing a lot now is looking at different chord progressions of different genres and oh yeah and uh, subbing them in for my own stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the way you do it. Well, one t- uh, teacher I studied with, Hank Mackey, when I was in New Orleans, a, a, a friend of mine encouraged me to take lessons with him and actually would drive me to the lessons because he knew I'd enjoy him so much. But Hank's Hank was a real he he wanted his students not to focus on chords but cadences yes a chord progression right and improvising over a chord progression and sort of getting the ins and outs because they're only i mean we only in our system of music they're only 12 notes now i do appreciate that they're microtonal notes right. with the blues playing and whatnot but you know strictly speaking we're in a 12 tone yes. system and there are only so many options yeah. and you know they and, and in popular music you know there are 12 keys but you know probably like Five keys are the ones that get used. And there's only four chords of those five keys oftentimes being used. Right, right, right. So, you know, I've been sort of taking that lesson that I learned in the early 90s and and sort of focusing. I take, you know, sort of cadences out of songs in my repertoire and try to really learn them, really get inside them and 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 look at like passing tones and, and common tones and neighbor and, tones. And, and, and neighbor tones Escape and see tones. how I could, uh, you know, connect you know because it's all about leading the listener yes. you know providing context to the listener Very much uh, so. so they could follow along with the musical idea and end up you know at the same destination with the performer so what's your songwriting process like we kind of talked about this uh pre-show but you have uh did we talk about a pre-show? Or did we talk about I think show? we did talk. I think we talked about a pre-show. I like to. Yeah. I, I like to. Uh, when I come across ideas that strike me as interesting, um, if it's something I'm playing, I make a little recording, a little video of it. If it, I, I also have a little black book, leather-bound black book that I keep with me. If you know, for ideas, concepts, phrases, mm-hmm. um, turn, you know, you know, uh, and, and 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 I go to those resources when I try to pull. Uh, songs together and, and try to develop ideas that I that I sort of came across. Um, also, too, you know, I try to keep a highlighter with me when I read because mm. um, I'll like highlight words or passages um, that that just sort of fascinate me, and I could use them for inspiration. So, um, 
yeah, when I feel like writing a song, I go back to them and I de- develop those ideas. Like this, this song that uh, I just finished with Brett Alexander, I had two verses in a chorus, in a chord progression, um, but I didn't really know. I wanted, like most songs I write, I like to have three acts. Mm. You, you know, an introduction, a middle, and an ending, but they all sort of accomplish a different point, but they're all connected to each other. And um, when we got together with the writing session, it was sort of like, what do we want to say? What do we want to convey? What mm-hmm. do we want to create? How are we going to develop the concept that we, we set the stage? Then we have to move that idea forward in some fashion and then present it to the listener in a different way. And so writing with Brett and going back and forth, it was fascinating how we, we, we did that. Because, you know, the, the, the name of the song is Ghostlight. Mm-hmm. And I was inspired from that idea um, Sunday mornings. This is, nobody really needs to know this, but my habit on Sunday morning is, is while I'm cleaning the bathroom and doing house chores, I put on CBS Sunday morning. And during the shutdown, they had a discussion about how theaters, you know, traditionally you had a ghost light. And, yes. you know, part of it, it was related to superstition. So you don't anger the ghosts and they could dance by the light. And part of it was practical. So people who are coming into the theater while they're going to turn on the lights, they don't hurt themselves. Right. And then during our the, the COVID-19 pandemic, it, it became a sign of resilience that theaters can keep the ghost light on until the until the performances resume. And I like that concept. Mm-hmm. I stopped cleaning the bathroom and I came out and I was like, wow, that's really cool. And I got my little black book and I wrote ghost light in it. So when I was talking to Brett about it, you know, I, I, I wanted to, the, the refrain that I came up with is keep a ghost light burning in your heart. When mm. you're down, when you're stuck, keep a ghost light burning. And, you know, Brett and I sort of talked about, you know, like what we, did we want to convey by these other verses? And it was sort of like a persistence, a resilience that, you know, um, even a fall from grace, you could reattain things and you know all the things that sort of like what what could be conceived as a shutdown not just necessarily from a pandemic but on a personal level if you go through some type of personal crisis or your health crisis Mm -hmm. or a family crisis and um you know that's now you're you're probably not going to get that from the words and that really doesn't matter to me because you know i like music that is subject to personal interpretation. Somebody may listen to it and come up with something else. And I, I think that's great. I don't care if they view it as I, the way I view it, but that's the process. Right. So you've had many shows. Uh, what are some of the funniest or maybe worst things that have ever happened during a show? Ooh. It's hard to say. Oh, really? Is it that many or is it just that few? Um, well, we're, we're not broadcasting on the radio now, right? No. Okay. Well, uh, probably the funniest thing uh, in college. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I can admit to this one. I'll find another story because, you know, <laughs> taken out of context, it, it, it could leave folks with the the wrong impression. Right. But uh, I'll give you a recent example. Um, uh, I was playing at the bucket and I wanted to do it as a duo. And I reached out to Henry Dvorak, our, yeah. mu- our mutual friend. And I played with Henry a number of times. And I really like the way he plays his fretless bass. Oh, yes. And, you know, and I like having an accompanist that allows me to solo. 
Mm. And like, I have some jazz influence and the fretless bass really works well with that. So I asked Henry if he wanted to do the gig with me and he did. And, you know, I put a list of like 50 songs together that we could do together. And when we showed up to the gig, he was missing the screw to attach his bass to the stand. So he could not play his fretless bass. It's the upright one, right? The upright one. Yeah. So fortunately, I brought a backup guitar and he played that. And his dad brought a bass for the second set and he played bass with me for the second set, a, like a Fender, mm-hmm. I think it was a jazz bass. Um, and the third set, I gave him his choice and he decided to play guitar. And the fact that, you know, like that was something that traditionally would be considered something went wrong. Right. But we rolled with the punches and we had a great gig. And we had a good crowd and the people were engaged and they liked it very much. And we had fun playing, even though it was not what we expected. So, you know, I really try not to be thrown by those types of things when, you know, you got to roll with it. Well, I mean, take what could be perceived as a disadvantage and turn it into an advantage. I mean, one thing that, you know, uh, I, I found I was, when I first got into home recording, I was overwhelmed by choices. And, um, you know, I, all my favorite music was done at a time where the technology, you know, people had a four track or an eight track and it was direct to tape and whatnot. And that's why I sort of got away from home recording and started working with Brett and his studio saturation acres because experience matters. And I didn't have to worry about how to mic the amp. Or if we're going to reamp, or if we're going to reamp a channel, yeah, I have somebody you know worrying about that, and I'm worrying more about the performance and presentation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, um, what is one thing that you know now that you wish you had known when you first started, and this can be related to to law or music, or just life in general? I think you know with m- music. Um, as as a guitar player in my early years, just the lead guitar player who would blow when it was time to blow a solo and 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 provide rhythm uh, backup. I don't think I focused on songs as much. I mean, music is about songs. Like I learned scales and I learned leads, but really, what I should have been doing was learning melodies of songs and progressions mm. of songs, um, because that is the language of the art, and that is you know. So I think. As a younger player, I was too deep in the weeds. I wanted to know what that magic scale was. I wanted to know that magic lick. Where really what I should have been doing is familiar, familiarizing myself with complete songs. And that's what I do now. Um, so, and I think it was something that I, I, I wish I came to a realization. I wish I made a lot earlier. Yeah, and, the, and oftentimes that's that's the answer really to that question anyway. What is that magic lead? What is that magic uh, riff? Whatever. is uh, When you listen to the songs and you listen to more and more and more and you understand it, that's where you get the understanding of, oh, this is the magic lick. Because there is no one magic lick. There's right. a magic lick for every scenario. The only way you find that is by listening to the songs and uh, like getting an understanding from that. Yeah, you have to internalize the songs. Yes. And, 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 and music cannot be forced. It cannot oh, be no. labored. It, I mean, it, there's a, a lot of repetition in your musical training. So when you're ultimately uh, performing, it's not a 
not a thought. It's not a conscious process. It's not you're not you're not thinking hard about it. You're going with the flow, and uh, so yeah, it's interesting how 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 much time in in in, in making music is spent with preparation. Yeah, uh, the one thing I I wish I had done more in my col- college years, and granted I'm still young, so I guess I'm so I'm starting to do it now. Uh, is I wish I had done like arpeggios or I yeah. really studied on, on the scales or uh, like technique stuff that I can, uh, I could just pull out whenever I needed to yeah. instead of on the spot thinking, oh, I know this would sound great. However, I don't have the technique down to do it consistently. Uh, and that's where I, that's what I'm starting to invest in now. So that way, whenever I, I, because I know those opportunities are out there. I'm thinking about it as a composer. Oh, this would be a great arpeggio to put in right now, but I can't do it because my fingers won't listen to me. Right. Um, so it's something I, I will actively practice at home now. So that way, in the future, when it happens, I, it'll just happen automatically. Yeah. And not, not, it's not a labored thought of like rhythm or whatever. It just happens. But you got the skill down. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> so... What is one thing that you wish you could tell aspiring musicians or or just people who want to learn music at all? I know it's sort of trite. A lot of people say this, but play your players better than you. Find players and play with them, and, and particularly those who elevate your game. Because I find that, you know, I play with a lot of different people. I go out to a lot of uh, different open mics, and I notice a difference. You know, there are certain people that inspire me. There are certain people that uh, really drive me in new directions. And there are other situations where I'm playing with people. It just doesn't click. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, and, 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 and I think it's important to keep uh, that, those diverse experiences to keep you engaged because it's very disheartening when you go out and play with someone and the music's not satisfied and you're not satisfied with what you're playing and you feel like, you're, you're, I've had this happen within the past couple of weeks where I had a, I went out to a jam and I was just not happy with my performance and I was doubting my skills and I was doubting that I should, uh, you know, that, the, that, that, that I was worthy to present this to an audience. And then the next day I played with another player who I think is more compatible and the music was brilliant. And, and I was like, yeah, I, I, I was, you know, I, I should not have internalized that um, and, and, and blame myself when it was really just the circumstances mm. and, and it wasn't necessarily a reflection on, on, uh, on, on my ability yeah. to be a player. So, you know, I, that, so not only does playing with people better than you help your skills because music is an oral tradition and it's only going to be passed down, you know, by listening and emulating. Um, but also too, I think that's uh, playing with different people will, uh, uh, give you an accurate picture of where you stand uh, as a player. Yeah, it, and not only that, but uh, as a pianist, it's it's hard to fit in it's hard to fit in with say like a guitar player because the ranges are are, are similar or yeah. having to fit in with a guitar player and then also a bass player because you can't you have to lay yeah. out the bass and you have to lay out the middle. Uh and it's one of the the things that I've been learning a lot of playing around with like Bjorn Cody and like Robin Chambers and Henry Dvorak and it, it's it's where do I fit? Uh, where can I fit a piano in this piece? I, um, 
and uh, it's been invaluable. You won't, you don't learn that alone. No, you can't learn that alone. Uh, so that's been a, a wonderful thing. And to your point of playing with people who are better than you, or uh, just playing with other people, uh, Nathan Arndt is. Uh, you you know Nathan? Do you? I think I know who you're talking about. Yes. Um. Every time I go out and play with him, he he loves to just jam on a piece and let people solo over it. So every single time he'll 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 just keep playing and then he he'll go. And just this obviously the that's single. It. That's it. And uh, to signal that you're you're doing the solo, and I'm like, uh, uh, it, I guess I'm not very good at soloing because of my lack of technique. Um, I can do octaves fine, so I'll, I'll, I, that's what I settle with. Right. But most of the time, uh, most of the time, the chord progressions. First off, he's just told me right before the song what the chord progression is, and some some chord progressions are easier than yeah. others because some are more more practiced than others. Uh, so I'm like. But he, he just keeps looking at me, and I'm like, fine, I guess I'll try. <laughs> and it's, it's really just pushing me yeah. uh, to, to do more. And these are open mics. These yeah. aren't, like, gigs. So it's like, whatever. Who cares if you mess up? Uh, so that's been a, a, a real blessing to play with Nathan and having him to uh, not – to force me, essentially. But, not you know. Now, which open mic is that? Uh, oh, that's uh, Shamrock Cafe. That's I've been meaning to get down there. Now it is the person I know. I I, I know Nathan from yeah. through Bjorn and going to open mics in the past. I want to get down there. I like his playing. Yeah, he's he's awesome. But that's so, all alternating, right? It's not every week. It's first and third Wednesday. So next Wednesday it, there will be one. All right, uh, that'll be the first. That'll be good because I'm going to be out of town most of Wednesday. I'll be coming home in the evening, so I hope so. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll try to get out to that. Typically goes until like eleven. So yeah, I, I'll probably I won't I won't go the distance just because. Uh, well, I know I got a day gig. I, I sort of take it easy. Uh, I try to get up at you know early and work out. Right. I'm just letting you know just in case if if you might not be able to make it then. Right. Yeah. And don't don't fuss about it. Right. But uh, me don't worry about it. Uh, but yeah, he's awesome. He's pushed me very hard, and and now uh, now I go home feeling a, li- a little disappointed to myself. Not not nothing nothing like awful or anything. Uh, but uh, now I I I'm uh challenged to to work harder at it. So because now because I I don't want to have that same reaction every time he goes, right, and I'm gonna yeah. be like, I don't yeah. want to freeze up every single time. Uh, this past Wednesday, he looked at me and I was ready for him, uh, and I I I I, 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 I did it. And um, granted, I did it only at the octaves, uh, not with. I tried a little bit, but I still need work on that. But it's so much more uh, fun now because I'm expecting to look, and then he looks at me and I give it to him, and he's like, "Yeah!" And it's it's really fun and encouraging. That's cool. Yeah. So it, he's a, he's a great dude. Yeah. Well, with all that said, uh, you have a gig coming up tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. I'm Where at? Be, uh, Springgate Arcona in Mechanicsburg. So anybody who wants that, uh, if anyone's over there listening, go check that out. Uh, if you want to make, uh, how long, how far away is that? Uh, it's about fifty minutes. Fifty minutes is a good good hike from from where I am in Lancaster. Yeah, right. but I mean, uh, it's it, it's a great place to play. Um, it's in like a mixed use development, so there are homes and apartments and oh. uh, condos and whatnot. And there's commercial and restaurants. And the Springgate location out there is fairly large, and there's generally a good group of folks that come out. Awesome. Well, if you want to check out any any of his other events, go ahead to his website at joesegan.com. That's 
J O E C I G A N dot com. Did I get it all that right? Yep. I was tripping in my mind over that a little bit. Uh, if, if you like this episode, be sure to share. Uh, you can follow us at facebook.com forward slash the story Corey Rosen. That's C O R Y R O S E N. And you can uh, follow us there. Search that the story Corey Rosen on all streaming platforms. Follow us there if you're just curious about the audio. If you want to know who's coming up next, be sure to check out Facebook. Uh, if you really want to support us, you can message me about merchandise and get a sticker or a hoodie with, with the. Uh, logo on the front and the first 50 guests including joe on the back with all of that said i hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your night be sure to tune in tomorrow at 3 30 we'll have an accordion actor musician called john milosich oh, cool. uh, he's a he's a really cool dude and i'm excited to talk to him about how he, exactly he got into the accordion <laughs> so it's a it's an interesting one to get into awesome um with all that said i hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your night and i will see you guys later bye